Welcome to the CU Review, a podcast from Capital University's Chimes newspaper and WXU Radio, where we wrap up the best stories of the month. In this episode, we discuss some of the best stories of October 2020. Hi, my name is Dan. I'm a third year music technology student here at Capital University, and I'm also part of the WXU management team. I'm Maddie. I'm a third year. I am a double major in professional writing and creative writing. I am a reporter for the Chimes as well as a layout editor. So the first story we're going to talk about today is a Senate bill that was discussing a Capitol-sponsored Halloween party. And this uh, article was written by Zach Farinchak. So our student government president, Adam Sherman, called an emergency meeting on October 14th because he wanted Capitol to host a campus-sponsored Halloween party. This would have taken upwards of $5,000 out of the annual budget with an expected attendance of 300 to 500 people. There were 16 nays, 8 yays, and one person who abstained from voting. There were some really important things that I wanted to note was that when Senator Danielle Thrasher asked if someone were to go to the party, contract COVID-19, and die, how many senators would be willing to accept the responsibility from that? And there was no response. Interesting. They said that only contact tracing would be done afterwards and no quarantine would be imposed upon the people who went to this party. Sherman also decided to add, you take risks like this every day. In MDR, in the grocery store, in the library, this event is no different from those. Um, Personally, I disagree because there's not 300 to 500 people when I go to Market District for my groceries once a week. But that's my personal yeah, opinion. Yeah, that is a good question. Why would you want to, um, in a time where we're also worried about being around people, and uh, why would you want to throw yourselves into a situation where you are around people? I don't think it would be smart of Capital to... Sponsor something like that? Sponsor that. I didn't think it was smart of them to even entertain the idea, but we all have our opinions on things. Deanna Wagner did say that if we thought that somebody would get covid we wouldn't do it. But she also said there would be no testing afterwards. When Josh Miller, who was a senior, asked her if there would be testing, she was like, no, there'd just be contact tracing. And that's it. All right, thank you. And on to our next story. So Robert Cumberlander wrote the article, COVID-19 testing data shows Capital's current status. Um, An important thing to know is the difference between isolation and quarantine. Um, I took it from the Capitol website, their COVID-19 tracker, um, as a quote, isolation keeps a sick or COVID-positive person away from others to prevent additional infections. Quarantine keeps someone who is in close contact with an infected person away from others to prevent the spread of infection due to the increased risk that that exposed person may be infected. So, yeah, quarantine is the precaution and isolation is the measure that they're taking to separate mm-hmm. yeah the there's a there's a little nuance there but it is a uh, big difference yeah as of october 21st there was one cap student in isolation and 14 in quarantine and as of october 18th there were only six students to test positive um, and if i remember correctly reading this article it stated that most of the people who were in isolation they actually uh, went home. Most of these people did not stay in university housing to go through their isolation process. Yeah. Um, 
The COVID-19 dashboard is managed by Tanya Poteet, which is the University Council and Vice President for Institutional Integrity at CAP. Um, she said, when students do test positive, if they're residential students, they're given the option to return home for the isolation period. And many students choose that because they would rather be in the care of their family members. Personally, um, I don't want to be stuck around my two little brothers <laughs> who are going to school. Yeah. I'm not trying to get them sick. Yeah, I guess every situation is different. <laughs> yeah, but that's just my opinion. I have a four-year-old little brother oh, and yeah. a seven-year-old little brother. And if you know little kids, they're not they're not good at social distancing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I could just imagine like uh, middle schools right now where it's like, Megan, give me my mask back or something like that. Like when a, like a girl like takes some guy's hat off her head because she's mm-hmm. like, I should wear it instead. Yeah, but it's their like, mask. <laughs> and on to our next story. All right, so next we're going to be talking about a controversial piece by one of our head people at the Chimes, Zach Farinchak. This is discussing the restaurant Raising Cane's, the chicken restaurant, who, which is not native to Columbus, Ohio, but it is. Uh, they have a big presence here in Columbus, Ohio, correct? Yeah, I I'm not think from so. Columbus. I think so. I am a vegetarian. Okay. So well, I'm yeah, not the right so person to ask. You, I'm sure you're going to have a certain lean on this article, right? Actually, no. So Zach posted that he thinks Keynes is overrated. He thinks that their chicken is subpar. Um, and I agree, even though I've never had it. I've seen people eat it. I've mm-hmm. seen what it looks like. I've seen better. Um, I agree with how he talks about the fries and also the sauce. It's just boring. But also, who even likes crinkle cut fries? Like, we're adults. Nobody likes crinkle cut fries. That's my opinion. <laughs> they do tend to scratch up your mouth more than uh, normal French fries. And they can't be cooked perfectly every single time. There's always going to be some that are way more crispy and some that are way more um, soggy, right? It's just not my not my vibe. Also, they just sell like chunks of bread there. Mm-hmm. This isn't even Zach's opinion at this point. It's just fully mine. I think, yeah, I think he actually did state in the article. Let's go back and do an overview of this Sorry. article real quick. <laughs> It's all right. So Zach Farinchak, he posted his somewhat controversial opinion about Raising Cane's, uh, the restaurant here in Columbus, and he thinks that this restaurant is overrated. He made some very valid points about the chicken, the fries, the sauce, and the whole menu in general. I, I remember him going in and talking about how there is a very limited number of items on the menu. There's um, four. His piece attracted some attention from uh, an LSU the Louisiana State University uh, alum, J. Miles Coleman, who called it one of the worst editorials he had read all year. A bit harsh, but opinions are opinions, right? I do agree with Zach, though. Ooh, one fun fact. Um, I work at the Rusty Bucket, and one of the chefs oh, cool. was talking about um, mm-hmm. canes because of the cane sauce. And apparently, and this might not be true... At every Cane's, the sauce is made a little bit different because it's a different person's recipe. Right. I've seen online, hey, uh, this is my, you know, copycat version of it. I used to work at Cane's for, you know, three years. And uh, you have to do this, do this, do this, put it in the fridge overnight. And now you have cane sauce. There you go. So that's interesting. I see the same thing with Chipotle. Um, I get their vinaigrette when I go there. Every day it could be a little bit different. It could be more tangy or it could be more like a salad dressing. You never know. But that's what you get with fresh and prepared items, right? These these food hot takes, you know, they could be very controversial, of course, because it's it's subjective. And everybody, the way I look at it is that everybody goes to a fast food restaurant or a restaurant or they do anything for a certain reason, and they go there, they bring their own bias, and they anchor it to what other restaurants they may have tried in the past, right? And we're all looking for different things when we go to a restaurant. 
For me, Cane's, Chick-fil-A, Popeye's, all chicken places, but they all occupy a separate part in my mind, and I go there for different reasons, and I like different things about each restaurant. So, yes, go ahead, Zach, die on that hill, but it is just your opinion, right? It's also my opinion. It's also her opinion. <laughs> cool. I will defend this one. Another story we're going to talk about is the one that Melissa Blackford wrote about scam emails. Speaking of scam emails, I got two this morning, and then I got that follow-up that says, don't click on that email. Yeah, so this next story, so we're talking about the scam emails that we have been subjected to uh, during our time here uh, at Capital University this semester, right? So let's go over some of the examples that we see here. The general gist of these scam emails are essentially, we have a job offer that pays way too much for way too little work, and it's just a college student's dream to get paid $300 for three hours of dog sitting or helping someone move or any of the other nondescript ways that they describe easy money-grabbing jobs. Um, what I wonder is, like, who is doing this, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> It's worked on some people. It um, That's what Melissa's article was about, was that she spoke with somebody who um, <laughs> their bank account got frozen and they had a false like charge against mm-hmm. them because they tried to cash a fake check. And these people tried to wire like $1,000 from their bank account and they were like, that's really that unfortunate. was supposed to yeah. be a job opportunity. And it was just one of those things that mm-hmm. we've all gotten. Yeah. Um, I recently, in like the past two years, I've done a bunch of different like fishing preparation things for different Mm. jobs. And I was like, I'm never going to use this. When is somebody ever going to try and scam me? And it was all just in preparation for this year. (laughs) Because now I don't know. Just like, I'm not going to give my information to some Mm -hmm. website that's like, click here to verify that this is real. I just think it's hilarious that, you know, these whoever these people are, they can get into our email system and send us all these um, fake emails. But most of these, you can see right through them. You know what I mean? The language they use, um, they're like, please help me with Jennifer's dog or something like that. (laughs) Uh, Obviously, that's not real. You can look at it and you can see like the graphics are off and the text is not like clear English or whatever. So, it is it is really weird. <laughs> but it, it's really skeevy, but that's just like how scams and phishing works. Mm-hmm. Um, they prey on people who are looking for money, like college students. So we're already in debt. Sometimes like you can't register for classes if you have a balance. So if you see like $300 for a week of dog sitting, you're going to do it. Yeah. Um, I, yeah but then, then you click on a link that seems legit and you casually get tricked into putting your information in. Then your email's being used to send out scam emails to your whole university. Your bank account is frozen. And it's all because you clicked on a fake email. Yeah. Overall, one thing to remember is don't click on an email if you don't trust it. It's that easy. If it seems too good to be true, it probably is. And I think, you know, these people also prey on those who aren't as uh, used to these kinds of things, you know, or they're newer to the internet and newer to email and things like that. So on to our next story. So Melissa Blackford also wrote an article about FAFSA. I wanted to talk about that because it's open and you should apply for it if you're still going to college. It's first come, first serve. It's really important to do this if you don't want to pay out of pocket. Well, thank you very much for that little song there. I You're welcome. <laughs> I'm in choir. I'm actually not. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, and then on to our next story, and this is uh, written by our own Maddie Rollins right here in this room. That's me. Um, so originally, let me give you some backstory. I wanted to rate tattoos on campus um, because I've seen some ugly ones, but I've also seen some really cool ones, and I am judgmental in a lovely way, so I wanted to rate them. But we only got a few submissions, so... Our Robert Cumberlander, who is one of the Chimes heads, he told me to make it something meaningful. And he said, and I quote, do you have any tattoos? And I said, yes, because I have 18. And he <laughs> didn't know. <laughs> um, so it was basically, I turned it into something that was going to be judgmental and a little bit mean. Um, and I made it into something meaningful about how Okay, so you flipped it and you made it more, yeah, nice. <laughs> Well, it's good. Yeah, it's a good thing you didn't, you know, spend the whole article, you know, trashing somebody's Mustang tattoo or whatever. Listen, if I see an ugly tattoo, I'm going to call it out. Some tattoos are just ugly. I don't have any ugly tattoos. But if I did, I would own up to it. But maybe somebody might see a tattoo of yours and they might think it's ugly. What if, what if that happens? Uh, it doesn't. Okay, good. I basically talked about... Um, Like, Brooke Taylor, she's a senior here. She has a tattoo that resembles her type 1 diabetes. Um, My roommate, Heather, has a capybara tattoo because it's her favorite animal. Mm -hmm. And we went and got spontaneous tattoos together, and she got a capybara. Um, There was Andy Cascioli. Mm -hmm. She's now a faculty here. Yes. Um, She got a tattoo, and I put that in there. So it was just something that was kind of fun. Awesome. So. So on to our next story. We're talking about dating during a pandemic. So this was a piece written by Bianca Blanks. Yes. Um, I feel like I should just read this one and read it over and over and over. Because I don't know how to date people. Um, (laughs) The joke is a month ago I got broken up with. Oh, geez. (laughs) I'm fine, though. Um, So Bianca Blanks got the varied experiences of people with relationships, love, hookups, etc. during a pandemic. Um, I think she spoke with somebody who was in, like, a good, solid relationship, and then somebody who was looking into, like, Tinder and Hinge. That's mm-hmm. a dating app, right? Yes, it is. And Bumble. Um, and then somebody who was like, I don't want to look into any of those because I'm not trying to die if they have Rona. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a few, yeah, there's a lot of different things at play there. And uh, the first couple that you were talking about there, is that somebody who was, like, already dating for, like, bef- yes. before this whole time Literally, or something yes. like that? Okay. Well, the, I think the thing with that is a lot of people broke up during quarantine. Weird. Okay, I didn't yeah. know that. Oh, my God, yeah. It was, like, a problem. I guess some people don't actually like the people they're married to. <laughs> I see. And, like, being stuck at home sucks. <laughs> That's really yeah. unfortunate. It's a horrible thing to laugh about. But I know somebody who just divorced their husband Mm -hmm. so yeah now that you bring that up i do remember hearing some stories about how um it's been good for people's relationships or it's been really bad but i like hearing those stories where it's like actually all this time we have you know stuck together it's kind of brought us closer and i i like hearing those stories it's really sweet i love those stories they're so cute like oh so you're dating this person because you actually like them that's what those that's what like there's the difference between like people who suddenly started hating each other during quarantine like you didn't like them in the first place and now it's just coming out and now it's literally just coming out Mm -hmm. yeah you certainly figure that out if you are put in that position right (laughs) yeah um yeah i mean for me personally right here in this room we have both opposite ends of the spectrum right so i i've um had i've been in a relationship for six and over six and a half years and um it you know I, i was just fine 
uh, during this whole time and to hear what you had to say earlier. You know, <laughs> yeah, I got broken up with over text. Wow. It's not because of quarantine, though. Okay, okay. Um, <laughs> so I'm guessing you don't have a strong opinion on dating apps. Uh, no, I have seen other people use dating apps. I've never downloaded one on my phone because like I've had, uh, I've been in the same relationship since uh, the end of middle school. So that's like when that's they were so popular. You know what I mean? cute. Or when they oh were my gosh. Popular. What's so. her name? Her name is Maria. Okay. Oh, yeah. Dan and Maria. That's cute. Yeah. Sorry. Sure hear this. <laughs> now the whole podcast gets to hear about how I think it's cute that you have a relationship. Um, <laughs> Thank you. And they can hear that I'm bitter. <laughs> um, I personally, as a woman who is about 100 pounds and is 5'2", um, I'm terrified of dating apps. Like, I see. Yeah, I understand. Um, my roommate found her boyfriend through bumble and they are wonderful for each other i think they're perfect for each other i've heard these stories too yeah it's yeah um, right it's like everything's spectrum you know it's like you get the best and worst on through those kind of services like i said i don't know really anything about them but as an outsider you know i've seen multiple things happen and go either way so i've never used them seriously Mm -hmm. yeah on to the next story (laughs) so (laughs) we're gonna talk about the chimes staff top halloween candy picks um just because, you know, Halloween's almost here. And this was a little controversial just for the chime staff. <laughs> um, what's your favorite candy? Again, when we were talking about, like, fast food, it's like we all look for di- something different. You know what I mean? Mm. Personally, I like chocolate. You might hate chocolate. It's like... It hurts my tummy. Yeah, like, uh, who cares what my opinion is about I do. It? Okay, thank you. I want to know. It's your favorite candy. I enjoy something like a Kit Kat or a Twix bar or whatever, you know. Kit Kats are good. But I asked my roommate and she's like, for Halloween, I only ever eat Butterfingers on Halloween. Melissa Blackford said that her favorite was candy corn. Um, So that was a little controversial. (laughs) Um, And Zach Varanchak said that his favorite was Whoppers. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Also controversial for some reason. Not the Burger King type. No, Um, the chocolate wafer thing. Uh, the malt malt chocolate malt, is what malted it's called. Malted chocolate yeah. balls. Um, cool. Well, what about yours? Mine, I <laughs> I was supposed to choose a Halloween candy, and I chose an Easter candy. Mm-hmm. And is that um, the Reese's egg? No. No. What is it? It was um, Starburst jelly beans. Oh, okay. Those well, are so good. You can only get them during Easter, though. Mm-hmm. It's because apparently people only want jelly beans one time a year. Um, I want them all the time. My second favorite was Sour Patch Kids. Okay. And that was also a little popular. Those are great. Yeah. Um, Sour Patch Kids are like, my mouth is puckering just thinking about them. Yeah. You know what I mean? (laughs) One of the staff favorites was the Reese Cup. Mm -hmm. Classic. (laughs) Yeah. The funny thing is when we were going through it, everybody had spelled it a different way. Someone mentioned Airheads. Mm -hmm. Um, Somebody also mentioned Twizzlers. Okay. Well, black licorice Twizzlers. Oh, weird. Yeah, that's I, the weird part. Those aren't. You don't even see those very often. No. Um, I love Twizzlers though. Yeah, I love Twizzlers too. They're, they're a great movie. They're my number candy. three. Um, but yeah, Shirley said that Airheads were her favorite. Mm-hmm. Do you know that Skittles has like these zombie packets? Like they're all almost normal flavored, and there's one that literally tastes like rotting flesh. Oh, that's um, that's a real thing. Were there any in that article that discussed like unanimously, like we all hate this candy or like, what is this even doing? Like, what's the hundred grand bar or something like that? Like I said, Melissa, she said that her favorite was candy corn. And I am going to read a direct quote from Shirley. It says, I do respect all of the candy that my colleagues enjoy, except for you, Melissa. Candy corn is the worst. 
See an article I wrote last year about my pure hatred of the candy corn at cuchimes.com. All right. Thank you for coming in and listening. And uh, be sure to come back for November where we're going to discuss all of the best stories of that month. And thank you and have a good rest of your week. The stories discussed in this episode were written by Zach Farinchak, Robert Cumberlander, Melissa Blackford, Bianca Blanks, and Madeline Rollins. Thank you to all of our writers for bringing the truth to the light and informing the community of Capital University. The CU Review is a collaboration between the Chimes newspaper and WXCU Radio. This episode was recorded at the WXCU studio at Capital University in Columbus, Ohio during October of 2020. This episode was hosted by Madeline Rollins and Dan Messersmith, with additional directions from Zach Farinchak and Brianna Snyder. Editing, mixing, and music by Dan Messersmith.